Welcome back to the Wedding Wisdom Podcast with Doug Winters. This is episode 67, and I could not be more delighted to bring you my conversation with Gina Esposito and Sheena Meekins of NA Atelier, a white-hot boutique wedding photography firm in Lower Manhattan. To say that this is a deep dive into the art of wedding photography is an understatement. We cover everything from photojournalistic style to editorial style, the difference between the found image and the created image, what medium format film is, to how many hours they spend actually shooting your average wedding. And I think you'll have new respect for your photographers after this. So sit back and relax and enjoy my delightful conversation with the ladies of Anne Atelier. Hey guys. Hi. How are you doing? Excellent. You guys are as beautiful in person as you are in your pictures. Thank you. We, we put effort into doing um, makeup like once a week now. So yeah. this is the day. Today's the day. Minus the sunburn nose. But other than that, we're okay. You got to send me one of those. The drinking bottle with, with your logo on it. That's gorgeous. One of our friends made this for us. And uh, I try to keep it out of the dishwasher because I know it's, it's probably one cycle away from uh, scraping off the, the yeah. lettering been a couple years though. Okay. So how did you come up with the name? For both of us dabble in so much more outside of just pure photography that for us, we love the idea that uh, an atelier is representative of a creative studio, creative workshop and typically used um, most often in, in a fashion sense, any, any type of artistic workshop, artistic studio. Um, and for us, you know, because of course photography is the bread and butter of what we do, but then we dabble with video here and there and producing photo shoots and editorials and things. And so we wanted an umbrella term that would allow us to kind of grow and evolve. And there's ever a time in life where we, you know, are perhaps doing a little bit less photography and a little more of XYZ, whatever it may be. We wanted to have a, a name that represented our brand that would allow us kind of that room and flexibility that if, you know, we ever did decide to, not that we would pivot, there were, we will we'll always be photographers. For us, you know, we knew that, okay, once we're, we're business partners, like we're, we're best friends first, business partners second. And so we know that this is going to be forever. This is long-term. Oh, tell me about this most recent hashtag that was started by Michelle Obama, uh, women empowering women, women supporting women. Yes, women supporting women. Actually, we were just talking about that today. We've gotten challenged by probably two dozen women so far, and we're trying to figure out what photo to post. We have such an aversion. It makes no sense that as photographers, we have such an aversion to to posting posting ourselves, but we're like, maybe we can avoid doing, maybe if we like let it blow over and we're like, no, we got to take a photo of us, which Um, is what we don't want to do next. Yeah, I noticed that everybody chose like a really interesting picture yeah. of themselves, like not their normal headshot. Right, right. Yeah, it's, it's, right. to me, it's, it's, I've seen a lot more casual photos turn black and white or kind of a candid moment, a more doc style moment right. rather than like a professional show. Right. Like Erica's things are all in yeah. black and white. Yeah. Okay. What I started to say was that this is the first time I've had two people on at the same time. Okay. We kind okay. of uh, act like one person. We'll finish each other's sentences. And we'll just jump cut each in. other off must admit to you i said to jenny are they partners you know they live together or are they without saying are they gay are they straight she says no no no. they're just really best friends that have the same artistic mentality and- yeah it's it's funny because people don't question it in your 20s when your best friends are like oh they're best friends and then in your 30s they start are they together <laughs> that's yeah if that doesn't happen before you hit 30 then you have to clarify after right i know we're, we're still friends although they sound like sheena's background is in magazines, Condé Nast and Time Inc., People and Vogue and Essence. On the other side is the equally beautiful, incredibly long hair that I hadn't seen before. (laughs) And to confuse things more, Gina Esposito, I was gonna ask you directly, ethnic background. I figured it's gotta be Spanish or Italian. Looking at you now, I'm gonna say Italian. Correct, 100% correct. Okay, but that could be a, Latin surname, right? Every time we're south of the border, that's the first thing everyone's esposito. Esposito. Yeah. They, they always ask. That's their favorite they question. It, they say it better in Europe. You thought Jenny was going to give you Scottsdale people? Yeah, yeah. I thought people from Arizona, yeah. maybe all from the West Coast. And she said, you know, and, I you, and she didn't even say it's in New York City. And I started mentioning your name. I'm embarrassed to say that I should know your name because everyone that I've mentioned it to said, 
oh, Doug, you're so cool. You hit the jackpot. These girls are the hottest people in New York. They, I had you get them. And I said, from yeah. someone else I didn't know in Scottsdale, Arizona, who's now my best friend. <laughs> A shout out to Jenny T. So what I know about Jennifer Esposito, uh, Gina Esposito. I know Jennifer is an actress and it's also my mother's name. So it's an interesting, yeah. You're oh, okay. Not You're not wrong. <laughs> well, the, the first official compliment is, and I'm not counting that you're both beautiful, is that your website truly is a work of art. Whoever did the copy is brilliant. Then I looked up Sheena and said, oh, her background is at Condé Nast and Time Inc. and with magazines, even though she you know, might not have been in copy, but you're certainly surrounded by the greatest. You can't get away from copywriting nonstop. A Vanity Fair every year does a Hollywood issue yep. shot by Annie Leibovitz. Yep. It's all these gorgeous shots of like 20 people, like sometimes it could be two, three pages mm -hmm. and it's all, it's always gorgeous. And your landing page, it's shot to my eye, like a Vanity Fair Hollywood issue. When you first look at it, you say, well, all right, it's a bunch of random models. And then you look a little closer and one of them's holding a camera and you say, oh, that's Sheena and that's Gene. Oh, I see. We are also at least seven inches shorter than both those models. So we're forward in the frame and they're further back. The only reason that that doesn't trip your mind, if we were all standing in line, you would know very down. clear we're not. All right, how tall are you guys? I mean, graciously, we're both 5'2". I'm 5'2", but depending on, on how curly my hair is, I can pass for a good 5'5". Five, five. And if there's a lot of humidity in the air, I can, yeah. I'm a good, I'm a solid 5'1 half, but my license officially says <laughs> Maybe I can get a half inch out of this or an inch or so. But. All right, got it. Sheena was a two-time marketer of the year in content creation for brand partners. So I want you to describe what that is. And Gina holds a degree in photographic imaging and dynamic composure, the styles of photography being portraiture, editorial, and travel. Could you define... I guess I'll go first, Gina. Um, I guess one of my biggest influences um, just in photography has probably been, there's, there, I mean, there's a, there's a lot, but I think because my initial love of photography started in my preteen years, I did a lot of humanitarian work in third world countries where I rebuilt homes um, and you would basically live amongst the, the people and the villages and the poverty. And I experienced that at a young age at 15 and 16 and I'm a friend. Oh, where? Wow. Like Habitat for Humanity kind um, of thing? Similar, yeah. It's, it's, it wasn't Habitat for Humanity, but it's essentially along the same lines. Uh, right. So we built homes, you know, throughout Kingston, Jamaica and Ocho Rios and Cayo Belize and, you know, even in the States in the South and Tacoma, Georgia. Just through that, I, I had a, found a love for documenting life. And so essentially... Documenting light? or life life with an f okay like document okay. humanity because uh, obviously in photography light has a factor absolutely no documenting life and i okay. fell in love with the children of the villages that i would go to and visit and while my friends who were on the trip were kind of taking photos of each other i was using at the time my disposable camera because there was no digital at that time right. and i was going through all of my disposable cameras taking photos of, of the children in the village who were so beautiful oh just plain yeah. disposable cameras like they had 20 years ago yeah i mean at that time you know i was 15 16 years old there was no such thing as digital um Right. Oh, that's See, That's what I want you to yeah. educate us all in. Yeah. When you talk to a bride, mm. your expertise is so far beyond what the average person is. Like I can talk about Vivaldi as easily as I could talk about Ariana Grande. Right. So when you're trying to describe styles and you use words like portraiture and editorial and travel and Photographic imaging, do you have clients that come to you and say, we want it to be this style? And it's like they don't really know. Yeah, sometimes they describe a style. They say what they want, but then when they actually describe what they want, it's totally different. That's why conversation is so important because someone can write something down in an email and say, this is what I want. And then as you're speaking, you realize you want something completely different. Or for example, people will say, we want something like photojournalism because what they want is the feel of a candid moment. Photojournalism being you're, as you're hands off. You're not influencing the moment. You're not influencing the environment. You are waiting and you're capturing what's happening documentary style hands-off is photojournalism so a lot of people what clients want is they mean they want candid natural they want something in the moment the implication on photojournalism is that they're not retouched it's like literally capturing 
the moment. Right. And, and retouching is all done post-production. So that, right. that's, you know, an entirely different level versus for the actual process of capturing the photo, you know, on a, for example, on a, if someone is pure photojournalism, then they are just documenting whatever, whatever is happening. Um, a photographer not telling the bride, move into this light or angle yourself a little bit this way. They're not giving uh, any direction. Oh, They're just capturing oh, wow. whatever's happening. They're not influencing the moment. You have to think about it as like a, a true photojournalist. You can think of war. You can yeah. think of when people are on the front lines of war. They're not telling the people who are blowing Thank up you. things. Or can you turn a little more? It is just right. strictly documenting what is happening just to document it. Yeah. I think what's important to remember when it comes to photojournalism is you're thinking of the found image. Right. Um, it is the photographer positioning themselves around whatever's happening, but not influencing what's happening. That's a great term. Say it again. That's called the found so, image. Yeah, you, you could think of it like the found image. Like I am not creating this moment. This moment is happening. And it's what you stumble upon. The beauty is being in the right place at the right time, positioning yourself in the right way, but you're not influencing the moment that's happening before you. Editorial is kind of the opposite end of the spectrum from photojournalism. Photojournalism is the found image. Editorial is the created image. So that's where you are manipulating everything from the model to the styling to the, the lighting, the composition, every element, the mood, every element of that image was intentional, is meticulously thought about, is, is arranged. Everything down to the way a pen is situated on a desk in a photo. Um, yeah. Everything, everything has its place. It's very rare that there's an accident, um, especially in thing, high budget production. Like a theater set designer yeah. came in. Totally. And and, right. and whether that's set design in a studio or set design as far as on location, everything is, is very intentional. So you think about the two opposite ends of the spectrum that photojournalism is hands-off, editorial will be hands-on, all the way hands-on. So often when people say they want something candid and natural, they'll tell you they want photojournalistic, but that's because of the feel of what they think photojournalism looks like. The undisturbed, unposed, feels like just you stumbled upon it, this moment just happened beautifully. And then there are other people who say, I want something that feels like editorial. And what they're saying is they want thoughtful composition. They want- um, they, they, they want it to look more like a, a model well, show. Yeah, but what I think when it comes down to weddings, what they're thinking and what they want, they want you to be thoughtful about the composition. They want you to give direction. They want, they want that dialogue back and forth. They want something that looks like something that came out of a magazine. They want direction. Yeah, and, they, and that direction, yeah. If someone's trying to describe to you like it came out of a magazine, what would the... They would usually say editorial. Yeah. What would you say? Because I'm often talking to people who I know that that's the language in which they receive it. I would say, I would use that word, but... Hopefully a million people will listen to this, educate the world in what the terminology should be. And it's, and it's funny because then there's like portraiture, you know, when you're talking about a photo session between a bride and a groom or whoever the subjects are, when you're taking pictures of subjects, that's portraiture because you're taking their portraits. So it's, uh -huh. um, okay. it's all portraiture. When people say they want editorial, what they're saying is that they want it to be artistic. They want it to have mood. They want it to have vision to it. Of course, editorial doesn't always mean it's a certain mood or it's a particular look. There could be very candid looking, very whimsical campaigns right. that are run in magazines. That's such a great word. If everybody looks at your website, which I beg you to do, because the word whimsical, I, I would say that that's really indicative of your style. It's definitely framed beautifully and with a gorgeous artistic eye, but it's, it seems like you're capturing just some magic moment when actually you might have kind of created it. I don't know if you remember, there's a, there's a of course you remember, but there's a picture of two adorable little mm -hmm. girls. Yes, right. On the peripheries, you could see grownups taking yeah. a break in, in between shots and they're half giggling yeah. and it's so endearing and so charming. That was pure photojournalism. Was Gina, Gina was setting up the bridal party and I looked through and saw, saw these two little flower girls sitting on the steps and they're just bored out of their minds. They were doing cartwheels and we pulled them into the picture and, we, and as we were organizing the adults first, they just sat down and there's just this moment of just pure agony on their faces. And, you know, and it was just really, it's cute. beautiful, but that's something that, that was no direction. That's the found image. When you happen to see a moment happening and you, you're captured. As opposed to you saying, okay, I want you to look cute and adorable and like, as if you're having a fun time. I did not direct <laughs> that. That was in the middle of what we were that doing. their personalities looked and their over, attitudes at the time. Looked over and saw these two little girls in utter agony as everyone yeah. else is so happy. That is great. Cause that was my, one of my favorite shots. And I'll tell you another one of my favorite shots is a black and white of 
20 guys and they were it looks like models they're all smiling and it's are you talking about the cigar photo with all the gentlemen okay yes yeah. all they all just look like they're having the times of their life like it, it might have taken you two days in a studio to get that exact shot i think that's the perfect mixture of alcohol and italians <laughs> of bravado uh, at the end of the night but the fellas all wanted to smoke cigars and you know I my Italian background I'm almost 100% Italian and I call that like the mafia pose and so <laughs> so all the guys were like yeah yeah let's do the mafia pose let's do this and the mafia pose the hands up in the air and, with, and, yeah, yeah, and yeah. that's but that's also kind of the ideal balance when when a couple will come to you and this is what they'll say, want a shot with um, cigars. Then they'll stand around and go, okay, what do we what do? What do we do, right? So you don't tell half of them, all right, you leave your jacket on, you have your jacket half off, you have your untied tie. Yeah, because for yeah. most people, unless they're models or actors or something else where you're so aware of yourself and your frame and your body, most people aren't able to turn it on immediately and stick it. And that's not their job. They're, to us, it's our job that when someone says, hey, I want this, you set up a composition a little bit, but then you're also, you're disarming people. What happens so often is, you know, people will want a certain shot and then they'll go, what do, we, what do I do? And then they'll get stiff. Because unless you're, you're a model, you're an actor, you have that natural sense of comfort in front of the camera. We are then, you know, you may set something up, but then you're kind of work to disarm them or to keep them in there's a, a lot of There's a lot of dialogue you know, that happens. Yeah, yeah, there's a lot of yeah. dialogue. So as you're taking photos, as the camera's in front of your face, you'll be telling them different things to do, and you'll be bantering with them back and forth, and you'll be and like, louder, loud, you know, and, yeah. and, and there's, you'll be able yeah. to manipulate the moment a little bit and, you know, pull a little bit more out of your subjects, so. Okay, now in just literally so that people hearing you can tell that you literally run into each other's sentences and you can finish <laughs> each other's sentences. So do you two shoot together? Yes, all the time. Yeah, we always, always were a true routine. That's, that's, that was my big question. Do you say, all right, I want Sheena or I want Gina or, you know, a Gina plus an assistant or Sheena plus an assistant, but you, it's, it's always, yeah, it's always Sheena and I. Is there a third or? Depending on the guest count, it depends on how many photographers we put on. We do have our third girl. Her name is Brianna. She's our full-time editor. She's been with me long before Sheena. Um, and so she's our go-to third shooter that um, predominantly just works for us. You know, over 300 people will put on a third shooter, over 500 people will put on a fourth shooter. And, and depending on the logistics of the timeline of the day too, there just may be multiple things happening at one time that we can't cover. So we have to put on an additional shooter to capture that moment because it's scheduled to happen at the same time, so. But what's, what's nice about it is because we always work together, we just, we have that kind of natural dynamic that we, we're speaking the same language and our brains shooting together and kind of playing together. We realize that there's something really incredible that happens when, because both of our brains will see the same things and we'll get it, but we have so much fun pulling things out of a moment um, or creating something in a moment. For example, that, that shot with all the, the groomsmen and the cigars. The mafia shot. Yeah, the, the mafia shot. It's so much banter and keeping people connected to the moment and making sure they're kind of disarmed and not thinking about comfortable or not feeling yeah you're not feeling tempted to, to get stiff in front of the camera because they all seem like models for some reason they just all have these beautiful smiles we hear all the time people go yeah but aren't they all models and we're like no they're real couples they're, they're real, real people. people but it's because people look so beautiful when they are the most natural when they're natural when they're at ease comfortable, when they're at ease when they're being themselves when the emotions are real and authentic and it's so, it's, I cannot tell you how many people will comment and say, yeah, but those are models. And we're like, no, no, those, <laughs> those are real people that then saw themselves and go, oh my God, we look like models. There's another gorgeous shot on your homepage. It just, that is a, I never know if it's right. Black or African-American. What are you, what is your back? Are you, do so, you consider, you know, yeah. I consider myself black. Um, okay. I will tell you that. Everyone has different opinions across the board, but for mm -hmm. myself and for a lot of people that I know, I guess within my own circle and from reading a number of articles and from working at Essence Magazine. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And, you know, Which, if anybody doesn't people. know, is the yeah. most famous. Yeah. The, what, yeah. Ebony, Jet. Uh, yeah, Ebony, Ebony is um, for, you know, both men and women, whereas Essence Magazine is specifically for black women. Oh, kind of like Black Vogue. Yeah, or Glamour or any other fashion and beauty, women's lifestyle, women's magazine as well. It's going to be in essence, right? Yeah, is, is essence. So, um, so going back to your question, I prefer the term Black because, for example, my brother-in-law is Nigerian, was born in Nigeria, moved to the U.S. when he was 16, 
he is absolutely African-American because he's, he's born in Africa and now he's American citizenship. There are people who have actually were born in Africa that live in America, but they are actually African-American is their heritage. And for me, I prefer the term black American because the point of offense is that my family has been here for 350 years. For example, you could have someone like Gina who her family immigrated over from Italy. And of course, you know, she will, the first thing she'll tell you is she's Italian because anybody, any Italian American in the New York City area is first going to tell you they're Italian before anything else. But if, if she lived anywhere else in the country, she would just be white. Right. And what's partially offensive is my family has been here for 350 years. At what point do I just earn the term American? Why right. do I have to be hyped as African-American? 350 years for real? Right, yeah. On my mom's side, my great grand, one of my great-grandfathers was born a slave. Wow. But on the other side, on my dad's side, from 350 years ago, I know of my, I don't even know how many great-grandmothers, Christmas Neekins, who came over um, as a black woman from England who purchased land in Virginia in the 1700s. So like, at what point do I get to earn the title American when there are people who are second generation that have been in this country 300 less years that they are inherently American. To black people, we are not fully American, we're African American. And that's not to say anything, of course, I'm proud of my heritage that comes from Africa, right. of course, but it's also not, it's more inclusive to use the term black because whether someone is from Jamaica or Haiti, the island or, Cuba, anywhere else, if you if you use the term black, you are inclusive of the fact that they could be from somewhere else other than Africa. Right, okay. I love the fact that the two of you shoot together and that you're able to say, Gina was shooting the entire bridal party. I happened, to, my eye caught these two kids. When you really think about it, it's like a two-headed... It's a little bit of a two-headed beast. <laughs> That's not wrong. You constantly have four eyes looking at the same thing, which is very rare, right? Usually there's a principal photographer and if they have two or three assistants. Yes, yeah, unique point because they're, you know, even in husband wife teams, there's like you said, usually a dominant and then there's usually a, a principal photographer and then a right. second shooter. But for us being both principal photographers, we just trade off throughout the day. But again, we know each other's rhythm so well that it's this unspoken language of, you know, Sheena can know right now, like, okay, Sheena's, Gina's taking center aisle and she's shooting wide. Let me come on the side. And oh, she, you don't have a game plan you know, going in. It's just like it's second nature to you. It's just a rhythm, yeah. Okay. I mean, we're, we're at events often and I could not even know where Gina is in the room. And based on, like, especially if it's at a reception or there's, you know, 400 people in a room and you can't really see more than who's directly in front of you, I will know that Gina's probably over here doing oh, that. Oh, that's great. Therefore, I will run and get the opposite coverage or yeah. of whatever it may be. If someone's giving a toast instinctively or maybe it's just by habit, is one of you getting shots of the person speaking and the other getting the Brian Goose reactions? And who's getting like the grandmother who's laughing or the table of their friends all hysterical because someone told an in-joke or something like that? How do, you, how do you divide that up? We will trade off every time. But yeah, there's usually someone that's always getting focus on speaker and then the other person is trading between getting the bride and groom's reactions and then also getting the other faces around the room. You know, when it comes down to bride or groom's reactions, unless there's a really hysterical moment just happened or they break out into tears, once you get a certain amount of reactions, you've kind of gotten it. And the bride and groom going through the photos, they don't know, oh, this is when I right. laughed at this joke versus that joke. So at a certain point, once you get a certain amount of the range of emotions, if, if they're an expressive couple, you've kind of, you, you've gotten it and you can move on to, you know, shooting other things and other people in the room. However, that is being said, you always kind of have your fighty senses and your ears open that you're always listening that you can know when you learn to anticipate those moments where you sense that there's going to be an, a different reaction from the couple or if something is going to get emotional, you're always, as you're shooting other things in the room, you're always have that sense and you kind of you can anticipate that and you're ready to jump in um, when something new is happening. Okay, let me ask you a technical question. I noticed in, like I keep describing, everyone has to find, I, I'm going to put it on Instagram as soon as we get off. So everyone will know the picture I'm talking about. The main shot where it's the two of you, five foot two queens, you know, with, with six foot <laughs> models behind you. In that shot, I noticed that Gina is holding a camera the way some of my grip a football, like your forefinger is holding the lens, lens a little bit. Right. See, 
Okay. How long is that freaking lens? Because that looks to me to be at least six inches long, eight inches long. It's because the camera, um, it's a contact 645. It's a medium format film camera. There you go. Now, now we're back to real life definitions. The contacts, the contact 645. Now, what is 645? What does that mean? Medium, it's just the model number. It's a medium format film camera. So basically what that means is most people are used to 35 millimeter film, which is what you would take to CVS to get developed usually. I don't know if they're smaller negatives, but um, medium format is, is about, uh, I think it's a, gosh, it, I think it might be three inches by three inches or two and a half by two and a half. Basically, all you have to know is there's, there's three types of sizing for photography. There's 35 millimeter, which is what the general public is used to. Then there's medium format, which is a larger negative. And then there's large format, which is a massive negative. That is basically what Ansel Adams would use to shoot. And so all you need to know is that the size of the film could correlate to modern day pixels. Is pixel a computer term or do, do photographers use the word pixel? Um, no, we use the word pixel. It basically, it describes how much detail you can capture in each image. So the greater image of detail equals how many pixels. So when you hear a camera is 60 megapixels or however large megapixels, it just means that the detail is so, you can you can blow the picture up, the file size is you know, equally much, much larger. So uh, that's basically what you would equate the size of a negative to is that the larger the negative, the more detail, the more pixels, essentially modern day term um, is involved. Right. Okay, so someone's not gonna say to you, I love your work because I could tell that you're using a Content 645, is that, did I get that right? Yeah, Content, compact. no, you're, you're not gonna be able to say, I know you're shooting with a 30 you know, megapixel camera or a 50 megapixel yeah. camera, but if someone had a two megapixel camera, you would absolutely be able to tell <laughs> that it's a very okay. low resolution image and it looks really awful, so. No, I know what you're saying. Listen, yeah. even if you take, like no, one's, no one has ever asked me what kind of keyboard you use. Right. Now there are keyboards, you could buy a Casio keyboard at Walmart for 60 bucks and you could buy you know, a $5,000, a keyboard that has every sound in the universe, but no one ever says, oh, what kind of keyboard do you use? I just, I'm just curious. People definitely ask you what you shoot, whether it's Sony or Nikon or Canon. They'll, they'll ask, you know, certain people will ask what kind of cameras you use. Um, oh, interesting. Yeah, okay. but that's just because, you know, again, who could be compatible as far as if you need a shooter. Sometimes, you know, um, Sony will shoot a bit different than Nikon, will shoot a bit different than Canon. And so I know for cinematographers, it's really important too, to, you know, it's easier to, to put the footage together when it's shot on, the, on a, the same brand body type because different equipment reads temperature differently. And Oh, interesting. Yeah. Okay. And, and how about film itself? Film itself is, a, that's a preference between Fuji and Kodak and, and other brands. It's It comes down to your personal preference. Like what's your personal preference? We, we prefer our aesthetic is Fujifilm. I just yeah. think it, I, I love the color that's produced of it. It feels very warm um, and it matches. What's the exact term? See, I'm, I, I really want people to get used to the yeah. vernacular. Yeah, so um, you can think of it as a candle. Like when you look at a candlelight, a candlelight is very warm. It's a warm light in general, but it'll photograph very warm, very yellow, very, very orange, as opposed to like the white snow photographs very blue. It almost, it's, it's a cooler temperature. So when I say warm temperature versus cooler, it essentially means warmer colors versus like a bluer, cooler color. And this is your natural unspoken vocabulary with each other. Yeah. In other words, if you say to your client, yeah, notice this is cooler as opposed to warmer. It's like, you'd never say that, right? No, unless you show them a before and after. You know, the camera still can't duplicate what the human eye can see. It's just not there um, yet. So, Ooh, that's, say that again. That's brilliant. I love yeah, that. The camera can't, the camera cannot, the technology's not there yet that the camera could actually duplicate the human eye. So when you take photos, there has to be post-production applied to them to do things like color correction because when we're outside and we're photographing in snow, there's going to be a very blue hue overall in the photo, which we don't want. We want that to feel much more warm. So when she but, does... All right, what, what, what makes the blue? Just the cooler temperature. It's the way the camera reads it. Oh, literally that snow is white but it yeah. creates a blue hue? Yeah. Is that what but, you're saying? But your, yeah, but your eye, your eye sees it as white snow. Sees white, yeah. right. But cameras read it in a tent. It will probably read more cool or very blue. Um, the same thing that, for example, with a lot of men, if you look, this is like my biggest pet peeve when it comes okay. to post-production always. Um, most wedding gowns are usually not pure white. They're usually a little more ivory. It's a oh, warm, right. the warmer. Oh, way. interesting. Right. However, men, their shirts are, very crisp are always is always white. white, white. So what happens is when you're taking the photo, things that are ivory, that like wetting down that are a little warmer white, read as true white. Things that are pure white, read as blue. 
So the, the, a bride and groom sitting next to each other, often the bride will read as a pure white dress, even though it's a little bit ivory, the groom will read like his shirt is blue. Oh, no kidding. Your eye doesn't really see that in real time, but that's because how cameras are so sensitive to those details that that's part of post-production. What drives me crazy is seeing a shirt that looks blue when I know it was a white shirt. And you want it to read white because it's a standard tuxedo, which is black and white. Yeah, and of, course, and of course it's a white shirt, but especially when you're shooting outside, that white can look like blue. I was really hoping that this would translate into you talking about the real specifics, you know, like those terms that you would never use to, to the client. But it doesn't you know, like, bother some people, which is fine. And that comes down to, again, personal preference and your personal, your brand aesthetic and what you want to put out. There are plenty of photographers that will look at their work and will see that, you know, they didn't color correct or maybe they wanted the blue in the shirt. I, you know, I don't know why they didn't take it out. But for us, that's, you know, that's kind of one of our brand convictions where we want everything to be true to a very natural look to what the eye kind of captured with some enhancing. Um, but the whole art of photography is to, you know, take a beautiful photo. And I remember when we, when, when digital first came out and Instagram and everyone was into like these purple filters and everybody looked like the Hulk. And <laughs> it was just so not natural. And I remember the, you know, that early on very when I, yeah, like, and it was just this hard, you know, this harder look that wasn't natural. And it, it was very much manipulated post-production. And I love that, you know, the pendulum kind of swung back now and we're in this very natural feeling of it's still beautiful and it's still enhanced and there's still a lot of post-production, but it, I don't look at it and I'm not like, you know, oh, she's, you know, an avatar, you know, she looks like, uh, right. yeah. And I think for us too, like our philosophy when it comes to post-production is mainly to minimize distractions. So for, for me, for some, I, I am very meticulous about detail. So when I'm looking at a photo, I'm distracted, for me, I'm distracted by the fact that his shirt looks blue. All right, now this is in post, after you're looking at the photo that you've already shot. Yeah, yes. Okay. Yeah, and, and this is this is in post-production after when we're editing, after the, you know, okay. the event is So post-production is not just for movies. That's yeah, no, no, post-production, okay. right. absolutely. You know, as you said, when you're, as you mentioned, when you're doing a spray and pray, if someone's, you, yeah. you may take a thousand photos to get, not, not really a thousand, you may yeah, take well, several hundred. 50 photos to get that one perfect image, but you've right. got to not only go through the culling process of editing down those 48 others where people are half blinking and half talking yeah. and things are awkward to get that one perfect moment. You know, you're editing down to get to the, 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 the beautiful thing. Um, but then also you're also doing color correction to bring the photo, to make sure the photo looks the way it felt in the moment the way that I actually saw the room. And so what we do and what we focus on and anything beyond color correction is mm -hmm. mainly to minimize distractions um, because that is that artistic sense of wanting to direct the eye and wanting people to focus on what that image is supposed to show. And, and that is kind of the beauty of photography is composition is all about balancing a photo so that the person who's reading it is focusing on what, how you meant for their eye to travel throughout the shot. A lot of my musicians, for example, my drummer, he's endorsed by Zildjian uh, Symbols. Yeah. Thank you. So he gets a certain amount of money or gets free merchandise. Does that work with photography or does it not work that way? Um, no, it totally works the same way. Um, we are not endorsed by any brand, but we love what we love. And so we're loyal to the brands that we do have. Um, funny enough, the, the people that have actually reached out to us the most have been um, clothing brands. <laughs> that have actually wanted to endorse us, which is very, very funny. Um, Wait, what's it called? Uh, like a clothing brands have reached out. Oh, a clothing brand. Oh, that's, <laughs> which that's has really nothing funny. to do with. I don't know if our following is big enough. Yeah, I don't know if yeah, we have a big enough for, following. Uh, uh, fingers that. crossed for features. Yeah, you know, between being with Canon and Fujifilm, they tend to sponsor a lot of adventure photographers, a lot of landscape travel. photographers, a lot of travel photographers. Um, and we kind of encompassed all of that. Um, but we don't, you know, there's not one thing that you're like, oh, they're strictly travel or oh, they're strictly New York City or oh, they're strictly this. There's so it, there's a, a bit more hoops to jump through to, to get to that for sure. Um, a lot of it has to do with even people having educational platforms, which we do not. We don't have the time to have an educational platform, unfortunately. Meaning but, what? Like a YouTube channel teaching people how to shoot? Yeah, like if you have tutorials yeah. or if you offer master classes, a lot of those sponsorships are aimed right. towards people because obviously. Oh, I see. Okay. Because they're literally selling. Yeah. Well, right. the name of the game is brand awareness, right? So if you have, if 
you have a following of 30,000 students, you're more than likely to get sponsored by someone as opposed to like, we're very, we're very client facing. So we don't, you know, we don't have a master class. We don't plan on having one. So. And the cool thing is that by not being sponsored, it's up to you. Absolutely. It's your artistic choice. And you actually can tell the difference between the resolution of something shot with Fujifilm as opposed to Kodak or as opposed to... Not minutia of like what brand is it, but you can absolutely tell if something is shot on film versus digital. Okay, could you... Yeah, could... could... With like Fujifilm, there, there are certain like... You can... The, the greens are more often come out as a certain form of green, like green grass. Yes. They usually read a little bit more of a bluer base green versus yes. a yellow base but green. But that could... You can also you can manipulate, manipulate that post production so right. even if a, if a print gets scanned in at a certain you know however it was developed you can still mm -hmm. take that image and then manipulate a post-production and change it so that's why i say you can't necessarily if you have the raw photos in front of you that are untouched then potentially yes for sure um but when oh, it's oh, digital, you, but when it's oh, digital, once it's once it's in post yeah i mean there's a fame i mean i'm a yeah. big you know cinephile and there's an expression that any podcast that i listen to that's talking to actors they They'll say, oh, yeah, we'll fix it in post. Yes. So yeah. it's just, just define that term. It's so subjective. And obviously, you grow as an artist and you grow as a creative. So the way we would edit photos, I don't know, maybe three or four years ago, you know, we can take an image that we did on a, a photo shoot or we did on a wedding three or four years ago, and we could take that image and re-edit it to match a different aesthetic and the photo can have a totally different feel to it. So that's the beauty of, oh, okay. of having a digital image is that you can actually revive old photos. If you feel like for whatever reason, eight or nine years ago, if you feel like the photo is dated because of the, the aesthetic that's been applied to it, oh, you okay. can take that and update that and make it feel more modern times by just changing the aesthetic of the photo post-production. And it also, you know, even the way that we do post-production is often so based on the individual couple that we're yeah. working with and with their personalities. Um, because there are some people, there are some couples that they really love photos that have a lot of mood and a lot of shadow and contrast, contrast. and I just to finish on Gina's point is that, you know, because we, um, we edit things for our, that particular client's personality, there mm -hmm. are times where we can go back to an image from six years ago and put a, a different edit that perhaps that person wanted something very, very light and airy to be their aesthetic of their, of their wedding. But then we oh, can re-edit something to be a little moodier and maybe that's not their personality, but in post you can perhaps, you know, have a little bit more artistic fun with exactly you know how uh that image is portrayed and a lot of it comes down to how it's shot in the moment you can only change things so much in post-production um mm -hmm. or you know unless you want to get unnatural and unnatural feeling but um right. but, but those are that's part of the fun of post-production for us as well as is revisiting things and re-editing it for a new mood if, if you will that's so much fun for us but um typically no our clients do not come and really use those terms they will mm -hmm. say something like They'll say moody or shadows or, you know, um, right. Yeah. They'll usually say light and airy or like moody. And it's through the process of kind of walking them through. And it's, it's why it's so important to kind of have that moment of connection with yeah. them directly the because, yeah. because, you know, we'll, we'll share images back and forth or they'll go, they'll send us things or they'll go on our website and they'll speak to images that really, you know, resonate with them. And yeah, yeah. seeing those visuals, you're able to kind of draw the connection between this is what you told me. And this visually is what that represents. That's your definition of yeah. that of that term you're using. Um, right. So no, they typically don't use yeah, right. that's what I thought. So much yeah. language. But what's probably easier to do with photos than with music for you is with photos, you have an actual something you could point to and say this. Like I like this. I, I like, like this, this. I don't like this. And then we're like, great. I can translate all of the things that that actually means for us on our end. Um, yeah. Listen, and and in music, you know. Um, 20 years ago, there were, you had to, to produce a record, you had to go into a studio, pay $300 an hour and blah, blah, yeah. blah, pay all musicians by the hour. Yeah. Now everyone has a home, you know, you can have a studio in your living room. Yeah. I have a studio in my living room, you know, um, so that you can, you can hear the basic, yeah, the band plays straight, right? It's, and, and I always insist on the video being live, but I can boost the bass or I can, you know, I can boost the treble if I want, if you want to hear more of the, if it's a rock and roll song, you want to hear more of that, that gritty guitar sound, you know, so you can manipulate it in post. So it's not, you're not cheating. Yeah. You know, uh, you're not flying in somebody, you know, yeah. Eddie Van Halen's guitar solo, yeah. 
but using exactly what you have, you're just sweetening it. Well, that, that, that term is in music is used a lot, sweetening. Okay. Well, it's the same uh, thing in photography. Yeah. You're, you're starting out with a great product, but then you're just enhancing the image and you're doing the same yeah. thing with yeah. the tracks. You're just enhancing the tracks. You're changing the EQ. You're, you it, know, precisely. Yeah. yeah. Same thing. But in, right. in the same way of based on, I, I want you to hear the grit in the guitar or yeah. feel the bass in that same way. That's the same thing that we do with images that sometimes certain images may call for and we'll do, you know, the, the standard edit. And then sometimes we'll have a little bit more fun with additional versions of that same photo where if there's something where we play with it a little bit and turn this up or turn that down, we will give them a more standardized version. And then said we play with another two versions. Right. We'll give them but all even even that term, turn this up, turn this down. Yeah. You think of it as in terms of, terms of literally making the light in the room darker, you know, brighter, yeah. turning it up, turning it down, music, turning it up, yeah. turning it down. Yeah. But your definition of turning it up, turning it down is the warmth of oh, a it's, picture, it's, uh, sometimes the coolness of a picture. It's so much. It could be the warmth. It could be the exposure. It could be the, yeah. the highlight details, the shadow, the midtones. It's, it's similar to kind of like fine tuning the EQs where you have the treb and you have the, you know, the low end, but then you have everything in between um, where you can fine tune it. And it's kind of like the acute tuning. You clearly have, spent time in in with a lot of, with music and I'm, right i've come from a musical family and i actually oh, okay. i did sound yeah. for like a 12 piece live band for like 4 years so i you know, i know enough to be dangerous but not enough okay <laughs> yeah. so it's it's, uh, it's very similar where you can get into the fine tune of the levels and the frequencies and you're like oh that's the da -da -da, you know the 440 frequency and you're like can you cut that one out it's Thank you. It's, okay. So I, I, just the way you were talking, I could tell, yeah, you know, that you there, knew about music production. Thing, yeah. There are times we're at events and she's like, the DJ's got the middies up too high. Oh, it's like, whatever. I don't, I don't know what that means at all, but she hears it. And, yeah. the, what I found most fascinating is the white shirt of a tuxedo. Yeah. Whether it's 1930s or today, a tux is a tux. Mm -hmm women's dresses how many shades of white would you say there are oh gosh um you have some that are intentionally blue blush um even tones of like nudes like something like this and how describe it yeah i'm wearing a nude color shirt um it's kind of a sandy yeah beige a sandy beige. beige yeah yeah um but but even like satin reads different than right, lace, right. reads different than linen, reads the different material. than cotton. So, so even though it could be the same color, technically, it'll read differently because of the sheen that is or is not on the material. The pure white gown that's satin, it's going to look extremely blue in a photo when you're shooting outside because of the sheen, the, the sheen factor. Yeah. And on a white gown, shot outside will look almost like it has an electric blue depending on how it's shot also depending on if it's cloudy or if it's sunny you know all of these factors will play in and of course these are all things that you can't control on a wedding day but you can in post but you can in post in post production that i i know that if it, if the bride is anywhere half as meticulous as i am about things she'll look at it and go why does it look blue in post if somebody has a flyaway hair because it's humid outside, there might be some split ends. You can make those disappear. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And, and yeah. They, and, and of course, like we see that and we take that creative liberty because as women, if I had my hair and it was perfectly done and there was one electric, you know, piece of hair sticking out, I wouldn't, that would, would ruin the whole photo for me. So well, it's a distraction. It's a distraction. So anything, yeah. whether if, even if the groom, a lot of people, you know, when they hug the groom, they, they put their arm, you know, women who are wearing sleeveless dresses will put their arms over the groom's shoulder to hug them. And then when they pull away, the groom has an ugly deodorant stain on his shoulder. Um, <laughs> and so it's things like that, that we're like, oh my gosh, we haven't even like finished the portrait session yet. And so, if, you know, aunt so-and-so kisses someone on the face and now you have a lipstick mark and that was taken away for whatever reason, you know, all of that would get removed yeah. in post if it was a distraction. Absolutely. If you're in the wind on a mountaintop and her hair is blowing and it's, if that's what you want in the photo. If it's outside, it's, your hair is not supposed yeah, to be purple, right. or else it looks plastic. Right. Yeah. Well, you guys are amazing. Thank you. Thank you for having us. I love the minutiae. I love people getting into detail. Like I, like Sylvia Weinstock talking about cakes. Yes. And the other thing that I really wanted to discuss with you is that when I'm done playing, you can't dance anymore after we pack up, right? When yeah. the, the lighting shuts off, the lighting guy is done. I had this long talk with Sylvia about, you have built a work of art and 
the goal of that work of art is to be destroyed. She says, that's my favorite thing. My favorite thing is like if there's nothing left. Yeah. And she really goes into detail about every piece of her cake being edible. So I love, you know, hearing the details of things that people wouldn't ordinarily be talking about. You know, you'll say warm, cool. All right, so define that. Now I know forever that a a pure white thing might give off a blue hue. Can't unsee it now that you've seen it. You'll never unsee it again. You're ruined. You're ruined for life. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> um, last. Oh, so what I was saying that I was saying just to wrap up is that when I'm done and we pack up, if we've gotten people dancing, you know, our job is done or you know, like the minute we pack up, our job is done. And and the food, the caterer with the food, is served, as soon as it's served, it's done. It's whether people like it. Yeah. You are just starting when the when the when people kiss you goodbye at yeah. the end of the night. Your work just starts. Mine is completely done, and they're just writing thank you letters, and you know, and I I actually brought a couple of brides on on the podcast yeah. just to say. Talk about the entire process, you know, from the beginning and, you know, starting from the engagement to when you kiss me goodbye, you know, the entire process. Um, so, but talk a little bit about that. It's like when I talked to this uh, photographer that, that I became friends with, her name is Melanie Lust. She's in uh, um, uh, Westport, Connecticut. And she's the one who told me about Henri Cartier-Bresson mm-hmm. inventing candid photography and the details that and um but what she said was that the minute she gets home if it's three o'clock in the morning five o'clock at night whatever time it is she immediately immediately puts it on a hard a hard an external hard drive because if if those shots are gone they're gone like if you drop your camera on the street in the entire No, thing. but that's actually a really good point. Um, I've actually had that happen years ago in the beginning right. of my career where um, a card corrupted accidentally. Luckily, I was able to get it back through different programs. Um, but from that moment on, I said I could never have this happen again. And so there are devices out there, which we have, um, that the one we use is called a Nexto. Um, and basically what it is, it's, it's a hard drive. And you basically pop your memory card. Wait, say, all right, so... You said Nexto? Um, it's called a Nexto. There's multiple brands that make devices like this, but it's basically a, it's a, it looks like oh. a, it's a portable hard drive that has a, a memory card slot in it. Like how big is it? Uh, maybe eight inches by. So you're doing uh, the thing with your hands again. I know. I'm, I'm, I trying, know. I'm trying to get it's like, like it's, it's like eight inches, eight inches by five inches, I would say, roughly. Okay. Um, and you keep that on your person somewhere? It, it stays in our gear bag or in a backpack. And as memory cards fill up, we don't just put them in a case. We actually back them up on site. Oh, so you're literally backing it up. We're backing them up on site because I will never go through that. Oh, my God, my heart is dropping in my chest. I'm sick. I'm That's what I was going to thank you. I'm yeah. so- I don't know how photographers, A, don't get home immediately and they still choose to go to bed even though they're exhausted and not back them up because there's too many things that could happen. But B, I'm, I, we go even further than that where we back them up on the job so that by the time, you know, we're done with the day, we have two, you know, last memory cards, the last memory cards that are in either of our cameras. That's the only thing that we have to back up. And usually those are able to be backed up on the commute back home or wherever. Um, so, so even if it's far away, you don't have to start freaking out nope. about, oh my God, is this safe? You just download them as you go. And then by the time you get to the office or the time you get home, you plug in that portable hard drive and you, you are on your second backup now or your third backup because the first... The first copy is on your memory cards. Well, we have two. We shoot on dual memory cards always, so we're always shooting on. There's two copies as we're shooting within the camera. Would the average person know that there are dual hard drive cameras? Um, I don't think the average person. Would know that. That's not a consumer. Like you wouldn't buy that at Best Buy or something. No, when you're dealing with things that are um, are one-time shot, you take every precaution because it's not a dress rehearsal, and you can't ever redo a wedding. Mm-hmm. So as we're shooting on one memory card in that camera, there's actually an additional memory card that's 
recording the same exact images. So you have a double backup. So one memory card, then the second memory card, then you have the next toe that you're downloading on. And then when you get home, you have a fourth backup. So in my opinion, you can never have too many backups. So do you have, you know, a temperaturized closet that literally keeps all this stuff? I like to think I live in a temperature-wise <laughs> closet personally, so by default, all of my stuff is yeah. also climate controlled. But no, there are many hard drives. I mean, you figure I've been doing this since 2003. And thankfully, as uh, you know, as time progresses, we get larger and larger hard drives, whereas- Cloud systems. Yeah, and... with you know, things that have 10 terabytes versus something that was maybe a 250 gigabyte you know, back in the day. Right. I think that you have the hardest job in the industry. I, I honestly do. I won't disagree with you. <laughs> And the reason I'll say that is because you have engagement shots. You have this, you have that. You you might start a month before. Yeah. And then let's say ceremonies five, the cocktail six to seven, the party of seven to 11. You might be there at 10 o'clock in the morning yeah. capturing them getting their nails done or getting their hair done or having their makeup done casually. Um, we had a wedding in Dubai and it was a 17 hour shoot day. We essentially were almost up for 24 hours by the time the wedding ended. It was in Dubai and it was a multiple ceremony. It was Nigerian and Etrian. And then they had an American ceremony. And the entire day from when we started shooting to when we ended was 17 hours. So yeah, it's a long day. A gig to me, if it's, let's say, an hour travel, right? Yeah. If I'm playing for the ceremony and the cocktail hour and the four hours of the party, packing up a couple hours early, I think of it as a 10-hour day. Sure. So, but you're saying a full day for you could be as much as 17 hours. Oh no, that's not like so. we woke up and we traveled. That is like, I started shooting with the bride and then we ended the last shot of the evening with 17 hours. That didn't include us waking up, getting ready. That's before post starts. Yeah, that's yeah. before any of that. Uh, yeah. I mean, how long would you say the post process in well, involves? It's, it's basically saying like, why did it take Michelangelo so long to paint the ceiling of the Sistine Chapel? <laughs> right. Why didn't he just sketch it? And it's like, well, like we have to go through the 9,000 photos we shot because we have to make sure we get the most optimum. Um, and then we have to go through. And if you had a pimple on your face that was unforeseen, that makeup couldn't cover. And now we have to go through every single photo and take that out. Um, oh, that's right. I didn't even occur to me. Yeah, there's, there's so many things of white. Oh, like white. you were saying, the color of the dress. Yeah. Might there appear differently there, in every single shot. And you have to... Yeah, there are many times where we have to go in and, and, and paint in you have to select like a paintbrush tool and you have to paint in certain portions of the photo to get certain distractions out. And you may have to do that over a hundred photos. Yeah, and that's you want it to be cohesive and consistent across the entire body of, of work that they yeah. get back, you know? Yeah. They're not, they're not getting 40 images. They're getting, they're getting over a thousand yeah. that are all. So uh, that's what I was going to ask you. How many between the two of you shooting constantly, how many shots do you take in a night? Is it, couple of thousand and you end up giving the client a couple of hundred. How does that all work? I mean, back in the day, you'd, you'd get a book. Do you still give books, that kind of thing? So our couples do um, get albums. Um, if they choose to put one in a package, we definitely create beautiful albums for them. But they don't get what you're referring to yeah. as a proof album. Yeah. They don't, they don't get those where even when digital first came out, you would, um, and some traditional studios, I think still do it where they'll print out every single image and you'll get a four by six image in what they call a proof album. And you could look at all the photos, but nowadays, you know, you don't, you might not want a photo of your cake printed out. So it's really a, a waste of, of resources, right. um, especially okay. now that we're so digital heavy and people just really want them to share on social or make an album, which contains about 50 to 60 images, not over a thousand that you deliver to them. For a full evening, how many shots do you, do you take? And then how many does the client see? It definitely varies based on, um, for example, how many details there are for a wedding day, how much decor, how large the decor is, if there are 50 extended family shots, or if the bridal party has 30 people, the number of shots are going to be way higher. But I would say average 7,000 photos taken on a day, or six perhaps. We don't keep it to a particular number. You go until you've told the full story. And how much does the client end up with? 1,100 to 1,300 yeah, images. Average. If there are 6,000 shots and you're giving them 1,200, just simple math, you're throwing away 4,800 shots. That well, a lot of the shots that we, that we get rid of are, you know, there are times we'll have a 45-person extended family shot and we'll pop off 15 photos of that one portrait to 
So a lot of the things that we get rid of are duplicates due to making sure everyone's eyes are open or maybe some are a few tester shots so we can get the exposure or maybe the bride was making a weird face or they were mid blank or we don't get rid of anything that's like, wow, I really am having a hard time between this beautiful shot and this beautiful shot. We'll just give them both. The majority are like duplicates that we take for us to safeguard to make sure we don't have to do extra work later, like Photoshop open eyeballs in from one photo <laughs> to another photo. So it's things like that that get that get deleted. A lot of dancing usually gets deleted. That was actually going to be another question. I always think that the greatest thing in the world is a packed dance floor. Maybe from a distance, that's a beautiful shot. But if you're trying to get faces, you know, and people's arms are flying around and they're singing and they're dancing and yeah. they're jumping around. Yeah. It's like it's a little um, bit of guerrilla warfare. It is, yeah. but like we would always rather have that moment of like I just got elbowed in the face on the dance floor. <laughs> The shot is always better than like no one's dancing, no one's oh, having yeah. fun, people are timid. Oh, that's, like that's a nightmare for us as well as for you. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. We want the action, okay. of course. Our favorite thing is having our surprise couple, dancers surprise that couple that you're like, no, they're very, they're very introverted. They're they're more timid. They're more conservative. And then you get them on the dance floor, and you're and like, like, oh it out. my god, yeah. I never. Yeah. It is the best. Never thing saw ever. it coming. It's the best. Well, I cannot thank you, ladies, enough. This has been incredible no this has been so fun for us thank you for you know for having us on oh absolutely and i just find it hilarious that you were recommended to me by an event planner in scottsdale arizona you you should know jenny's very east coast in her soul and yes. in her jenny's in her a new oh is that right oh yeah, yeah. She, we tell her all the time she, she could, could she could move here in a second and yeah. wouldn't miss a beat it's a very, very big world, but it's a very small world at the same time. And the community is very tight. And so when you're in destination, you're everywhere. So you meet all different types of people. And, and it also just occurred to me that since you're the two of you and the two of you will always work together, if you have a job in Dubai, maybe for two weeks, you can't book anything that's in New York or somewhere else. So you have to block out boarding the plane on this day and coming back on the following Tuesday, whatever it is. It's not like you can do two in a weekend. No, absolutely not. And that's why we tell people, mm -hmm. you know, we only cater to usually one event per weekend, depending on how long the event is. Again, it's, it's a fascinating industry where destination weddings, um, you know, depending on how you plan them could be more cost effective or they could not be because partners like us that have to give up multiple days of work, there's a, there's a certain cost associated with that. And so it's not always the most cost effective route to do a destination if you're doing a, you know, a 500 or a 600 person destination, but it certainly is Incredible. It's our favorite. It's our favorite. Yeah. I've never done a destination wedding. The furthest I've done is as far as you can drive. So I've done DC, I've done Vermont. You should start looking into travel visas and yeah. you know, what it costs to ship your speaker. It's funny. I have Michelle Rago. Oh coming yeah. We yeah. love her. Yeah. We're supposed to have a wedding with her this year, but you know, COVID. So now it's 2021, but yeah, she's, she's a, she's great people. She's incredible. We skipped over this in the beginning, yeah. but yeah. we talked about oh, Atelier, yeah. but yeah. You know, my name is Gina, hers is Sheena. Our friends call us the Enas. The Enas. So Ine is actually Ina inverted. A-N-E-E -E instead of E-E-N-A. So that's where Ine came from. There you go. That was my big question because yeah. I know yeah. N-A in yeah. French means year. Yeah. 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 We were in Paris together when we were deciding on name-wise what we were going to go. And we were mulling over it for so long and it hit us. So, so it just it just yeah. sounded great, but it's it's it there's a bit of exclusivity to that. It's kind of like you don't ever stumble over how to say Cartier. And, right. Uh, exactly. So it, no it, one calls it like Carter. <laughs> no, and even you know Hermes, you don't say Hermes. Right. It's, it's exactly. It's part of being cultured, and it's part of being exposed to things. And and once you understand how to pronounce it, once you're traveled, you atelier is not such a foreign word. So I know you're on Broadway. Fifty five yeah. Broadway uh, downtown. So that's got to be like what in the. 20s uh no right near like wall street all oh the way downtown. really down wall. Yeah, yeah 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 how'd you pick that we both used to live on on wall street like i, I used to work in the freedom tower so just spent so much of my life in that radius that like yeah 10 block radius down there that I, it just okay. i it's so yeah. natural to me that we ended up finding um great office space down there and just yeah. loved it so neither of you live there or you both live there. So you separate apartments in different parts of the city and then you get together at the office. Yeah. So we're, we, we're, we're roommates. Yeah, we, we live together. 
Oh, oh, you, your roommates as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We are. That's hysterical. We're, we were best friends first, yeah. roommates second, and then business partners third. So this is where the, this is where this is people where the question. question. Yeah, because we're roommates. It's once you're past thirty. We did it to ourselves. Oh, there you go. We did it to ourselves. No. So I wasn't wrong to ask if you guys were partners or. No, but we no. have a beautiful two bedroom, two bathroom. Like we have to. We have separate that. quarters. Like we're, but we're not. You get along like sisters. Literally. Or, or closer than we, sisters. We, we don't know how we don't know how it works, yeah. and I don't. I will never advise people to be business partners with your best friend because I think there's this is an anomaly. So I don't. Yeah. I don't suggest it because I think it, it very seldom works. Um, but it just happens to work like annoyingly well for us, um, which we don't publicize. <laughs> I think it would be. I think it would be annoying. Yeah, we'll meet my quarantine partner. Yeah. And you don't hate each other after? We're good. We're good. We're still good. Yeah. The the biggest debate come, is going to come down to whoever gets married first. Who gets to keep the Who apartment. gets to keep this apartment. Yeah. And like, we're, we've already decided <laughs> that we both love where we live so much that like, we would just get another apartment. We're just going to have to like, you're going to have to live down the hallway with like your husband and like, I'll be here. Yeah. You're going to have to marry brothers. That's what you have no idea. The, this is the game plan. Do people try and like set you guys up? So are you both single? Yes, we are, yeah. yeah, which is also ironic. But um, no, we'd love to marry like best friends or cousins or brothers or or like twins would be fun, and then we could see like fun. what each of our kids would look like with like Ooh, that would be fun. Yeah, you could trade off maybe. So have you ever, this is annoyingly personal. Do you have double date or anything like that? Mm, like we would love to, like in yeah. theory, that would be great. In reality, what's happened is it like, it doesn't work that way. What's always happened is like, there's a guy and he can't decide which one of us he's into. Or and like, then, or and like, then we like decide one. for him and we're like, well, since you couldn't pick one, you don't get any. I remembered the last person who's, who's coming on the podcast, who's the speaker at the breakers remember his name ryan yeah we love ryan i cannot yeah. wait for him he is so entertaining my first question to him was how many people know what the word apotheosis oh, means? yeah that's, that's like an a atelier he said oh i'd say 85 <laughs> of my clientele has no idea what it yeah. no no i get it listen i'm just happy you didn't say annie atelier because <laughs> oh god people what... do that of oh, course no, no. they do people will will sign every email with either gina or sheena or both of us and they'll be like Hi, Annie. And I'm like, no. and then like, like eight, eight emails deep. Where we're like, no, it's Gina and Sheena. Annie. Everything's Annie. I just want to, I, I can't let you guys go. I mean, you're now officially <laughs> my best friends, you know, um, I'm going to call Jenny the second we get off this, right. uh, but I wanted to compliment you on something else. Oh, your partners to prove that your co-equal partners, you're both listed as owner and principal photographer. Yes. I love that. It doesn't say co-owner. It doesn't say, you know, principal photographer. And the no. other ones say artistic director. When you think about it, it could have been anything. Yeah. It could have been any title. It could have been any title except um, I, yeah. Now it, I know you two and a half hours worth. Yeah. That no, It didn't happen by mistake. No, it didn't. And, and I've been self-employed uh, full time since 2011. Mm -hmm. um, so Anaya so Atelier was essentially my company that we took and moved into Manhattan and rebranded it. You were say 2011, it. but like you started on- Yes, I started. From 2003 to yeah. 2007, I freelanced. 2007, I shot my first wedding independent mm -hmm. under, under my own company. company. And then 2011, I, I stopped freelancing for other studios and went fully uh, independent. Um, and then obviously Sheena and I joined forces. For me to not have equal representation is kind of like having a prenup. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, that's interesting. I kind of believe that when you have a prenup, it's a it's a plan B in case it doesn't work out. You want to have an oh, idea. I can't of how believe to you brought up. this up. That's a question I've asked many people. I'll say, you, yeah, you know, but I feel like prenups. You go into you know, it seems like literally takes the romance out of any relationship. Well, it does because you're you're setting yourself up for well, if this doesn't work out, and it's not an option for it not to work out in my head. So therefore, like. Let my future husband ask for a prenup. It is. We're not getting married. <laughs> no, it's I because you can't go into something thinking if it doesn't work. Uh, then if you think that that's what's going to happen, then we're not compatible. Right. So, exactly. Um, but it's the same thing with us. Well, it's that if right, then you don't know me. You don't know my character. But yeah. the same thing with us that you know we're 50-50 partners. We're we're equal. Mm -hmm. Um, and we have equal titles because if you go into something thinking, oh well, you know, maybe we should safeguard this, maybe it should be fifty-one percent, forty-nine percent, then that again is putting that energy out there that well, it might not work. 
And if it doesn't work, I want to have control, but it's not an option for it not to work. So therefore it is co-owners, 50-50 partnership, because it will work. Like Legal papers, you know, actual yeah. corporation. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, that one. Man. I love that. First I love that. Thing. That was the first thing we did because, yeah. again, the company was in my name. We had to, you know, legally change the name and then we had mm -hmm. to divvy up the shares and that's what we did. So, and also, yeah, I was going to say it also, once there is that dynamic of 51%, someone has the upper hand, yeah. then someone yeah. can always kind of pull that trump card of like, well, it's because I said so. This is what right. we're doing. And it's not that there's equal, no discussion. There, there's, yeah, we both have to come to the table and find when we don't agree on something or when we, have to we can't decide in a direction, we have to wait until we find, figure out together what's the best solution yeah. that we both feel right about moving forward on. And that's how we do everything. So. I have taken up so much of your time, but I Bye. cannot thank you enough. You got, I literally covered everything that I wanted to ask. I'm so glad. No, no but I'm so proud that you guys were on. And I'm, I'm very proud to have you. And, and I want people to know that I had the two hip girls from New York. I swear <laughs> to God, everyone that I said your name to, they said, oh, will you meet them? They're unbelievable. <laughs> so here we are, you know, 40 miles away. But then again, when I was talking to Jenny T, it was 2,000 miles away. Wait till you start uh, talking to people in Europe and then you know, your mind will really blow when you get to people right. in Europe. Oh my God, that's right. Yeah, right? All right, nice. well. Thank you so much for this. This has just been incredible and we um, cannot wait to see the final Well, thank you so <laughs> thank much. You. you guys are the best. Thank Listen, you. enjoy the rest of your day. I will. All right, right. thanks for having Bye. us again. Bye-bye. Well, I certainly hope you enjoyed that as much as I did and hopefully they did. You can follow them on Instagram at N-A-Atelier, A-N-E-E-A-T-E-L-I-E-R. And you can follow me at Doug Winters, Inc. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast on either Apple Podcasts or Spotify. As usual, stay healthy, stay strong, wear masks, and I'll see you very soon. Thanks again. Bye-bye.